um, I mean, the truth is that every company needs a different ROAS. So it's based on all those costs and everything else. So it doesn't matter if you can do five to one, if you can do 20 to one, it's what are the costs there? And so marketers need to go a step beyond that KPI of ROAS and understand profitability because uh, in many cases, marketers are just relying on being told that KPI of, hey, hit a certain ROAS and then, uh, but, but they're relying on someone else in the company to tell them what that, that ROAS should be. And I think that uh, uh, a marketer should understand the bigger picture beyond that because the strategy could be wrong for the whole company if you're if if you're just saying hit a certain KPI and it's not even going to achieve profitability of sorts. So, yeah. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Brandon Cobb. And uh, Brandon, we're going to be talking about uh, a few different things, uh, including uh, fractional CMO or chief marketing officer services, um, and also uh, look, maybe looking to compare a little bit about uh, the difference between CMO and uh, and Chat GPT, as that's uh, certainly on uh, a lot of minds uh, with uh, with regards to marketing, and then dealing with uh, differences in uh, costs as well as. Uh, pricing of services and maybe even talk a little bit about uh, e-commerce and Amazon stores and looking at seasonality and inventory and turnover rate and other things of that nature. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Brandon. Thank you very much, Devin. I appreciate you having me back. Uh, you know, had a lot of fun on the last podcast with you and, and thanks for having me back. And I can tell anybody listening that uh, Devin, when he says, you know, um, it, reach out for for IP uh, related legal service. He knows what he's talking about. I, I reached out to him and, and he had a lot of great advice. So thanks for that. Hey, well, I always appreciate the the con, kind words. And uh, just as a, as a reminder for the audience, for those that didn't catch it. Uh, so Brandon was on the sister podcast, which is the inventive journey, um, which is uh, sharing his full journey. So if you haven't had a chance to go check out his episode there, definitely uh, make sure to check that out. But for those that uh, either haven't had a chance to check it out yet, or or just saying, hey, I just want the the quick snippet and then dive into the areas of expertise. Uh, give a, take a minute or two and uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Yeah. Hi, everyone. So my name is Brandon. I've been marketing for 15 years, uh, mostly in house for the most part. Uh, a variety of companies in a variety of industries of all sizes as well, small, medium, and large uh, size companies. But uh, over the last year and a half, I've, I've really broken out and, and have been providing fractional chief marketing officer services. So I've been consulting multiple clients at the same time. And, um, you know, it's been a really great experience because you, you get to learn a lot by uh, all the different challenges that everybody's enduring. And um, you're able to take the experiences from the past, but also things you're learning uh, between clients and, and implement the best strategy uh, for the right situation. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's uh, definitely a great introduction uh, and a great background. So, so now or maybe or diving into a few of the topics at hand and maybe in no particular order, but, uh, you know, maybe for those that are out there, 
you know, they're maybe reasonably familiar with, or at least heard of, you know, marketing officer or chief marketing officer and figuring out what they may want to do or what they, you know, what they're looking for or kind of anything of that nature. They know they need marketing, but they, they don't necessarily know what all they need. So before we get into a fractional CMO, maybe the first step would be is just to maybe give the audience a quick overview as to what are the the normal or normal things that a CMO would do or the responsibilities or kind of uh, what they might approach. Sure. So, you know, marketing uh, has for a long time been talked about the four P's of marketing. So um, product, price, place, and promotion. And so many people, I think, think of marketing as just that promotional side, you know, doing the the advertisements, the social media, the content, um, the events, you know, doing, doing the, the, the items that reach the end consumer um, is what I think a lot of people think of marketing, but really marketing, when you think about a uh, product, it's, it's how do you find a product that's going to, what, what in the marketplace, what is the marketplace needing? Where is there a gap and what kind of features uh, would your target audience need? So, so that's, you know, you need to work with the product team and then the price of understanding um, what's going to sell, what's the price uh, elasticity there and, and, and where does the price need to be to create the overall most revenue and place, you know, do you, are you going to go to Amazon? I think later today we're going to talk about Amazon, but like, are you going to go to Amazon? Are you going to go set up a storefront? How, how are you uh, going to get your product out? So a chief marketing officer, I think, can go way beyond that downstream, just promotional side. They can think at a, a strategic level, uh, maybe more upstream. And so what I found is that, you know, most large companies have a chief marketing officer and they oversee the marketing department. And um, but, but a lot of smaller to medium-sized companies, they either don't have much of a marketing department or if they do, they maybe have... Uh, more junior employees, or they, or they have a senior employee, but it's a person that's been around for a long time, and they they endure, uh, they they come about new situations that they haven't um, experienced before, and they just need to consult with somebody. So that's where the the fractional chief marketing officer comes in is is working from the outside of of um, coming in and and basically providing that chief marketing officer service. Of, of providing the, the high level infrastructure and strategy of your marketing. Um, but, uh, and if you're in-house, you're going to do it forever as the, the chief marketing officer. If you're out of house, it's, it's kind of a fractional chief marketing officer. You're working with multiple people at the same time. And, uh, and, and you try to set them on their way, give them what they need so they can go out and do it uh, themselves with the team they have. No, makes, makes perfect sense. You know, and it's interesting kind of the, the rise of, you know, fractional, whether it's, you know, CFO for finances or marketing or a lot of those different things. And I think it is filling a, a good, uh, you know, gap in the marketplace, which is a lot of startups and small businesses generally, or, you know, or not, or don't, can't, don't necessarily have the budget to just uh, hire someone full-time or out of the shoot. They're just bootstrapping it, getting it going, uh, you know, looking for, filling in with the services they need or that they can afford and then, you know, continuing to expand the business. And so I think that the, the fractional aspect of, you know, having someone that can step in, provide those services, provide that guidance, provide that, you know, those, uh, those uh, different things um, provides a, a great uh, a flexibility for um, smaller businesses and startups and and the, those that are looking to get some of those services without the, the budget uh, full time. So now maybe just walking us through, cause I kind of set that up. Um, but, you know, give us a bit of an idea as to what is the difference between 
or I guess, how do you go about deciding, you know, do you, I need a full-time marketing officer that just gets out and helps us to, and I get there's a difference between sales, but, you know, helps you drive awareness and drive impact and drive the, you know, the marketing side of the business. When do you, when do you consider the fractional side as opposed to a full-time or, uh, you know, virtual assistant versus in the U S and kind of walk us through how you might uh, go about making that or some of that decisions. Yeah. So, I mean, I think ideally, um, no matter the size of your business, uh, as long as it's, it's operational with, with, uh, sustainable revenue, I think you should be having a, some type of marketer on staff, but, um, when do you when do you engage with uh, somebody on all this strategy? I would say there's several different uh, situations where it, it really could come into play. So number one, you're either launching a product or service or a new company. It, it may be an existing company that you're launching a new product or service and you want to consult on that go-to-market strategy, uh, but it could be just the start of a new company and you need to... So they a, a marketer ideally would be involved from the start because they're going to understand the... Uh, the consumer research and the, um, the, the competitors and, and different elements that are going to really affect uh, what your, your general approach. And if it's a, a company starting from the start, I mean, they're going to do your logo, your colors, your messaging, your website, your uh, business cards, you know, all these, these different elements. Um, but uh, if, if it's a go-to-market strategy of a new product, then, then you want somebody on board um, as that's developing. So I don't ever think there's a time that's too early to start consulting with the marketing. It may actually prevent some mistakes from occurring if uh, you're getting that, that input from that angle. Then uh, the, another time, though, let's say you've got somebody in-house or, or you've already launched and everything, when you may need somebody is... Um, there could be two oper- two situations. Number one, you've kind of, uh, you feel like you've maxed out what, what you can do um, as, a, as a company with your revenue. You don't really know where to go next. You don't know how to generate more growth. Um, you may want to consult with somebody then or, or have a, a, bring a person in-house if the, the revenue is sustainable for, for doing so. Um, because then you, you would, uh, they may be able to give you that spark to just reignite and keep, keep growing there. Um, so when you hit the, the um, you, you know, you kind of hit a stop, uh, that, that would be a point, an inflection point to, to maybe bring somebody in. And then lastly, I think, uh, you know, there are certain situations where um, either the market takes a major shift or, uh, your your company is is losing quarter over quarter, and you need to figure that out. So it's not really that you you your the previous example was you're operating well, you just kind of maxed out. But now you, you know you're backtracking, and you need to figure out a, a a situation to to keep the business up and going. And and that would be a good time too. So I I, I would consider maybe three inflection points there of of when to ramp up um, your focus. No, and I think those are, are good uh, good to keep in mind and uh, good, you know, inflection points that uh, you can uh, consider as, as a business, you know, hopefully continues to expand and grow. And, uh, you know, when you might uh, bring someone on this on the fractional side and, and when it makes sense uh, to bring it on full time or in house. So now we're going to shift gears just a little bit because it seems like at least when I look at the LinkedIn feed or the news and talk with other people in the industry, that one of the, I don't know, concerns, but one of the growing things that uh, seems to be a usage for AI, such as ChatGPT, and it seems like there every time I see it, there's new people that are using different variations or different approaches or new services along with that. 
is utilizing some of that within the marketing services, you know, whether it's for content creation, whether it's for short articles, whether it's for writing, you know, posts that you can put on social media or whatnot is, hey, everybody's saying, why don't we just use chat GPT? And, you know, there's the question as to whether or not it will supplant some of marketing services or whether it's more of a tool and whatnot. So any kind of thoughts on how AI, chat, GPT, or any of those related services, and I know there are other ones out there, how that kind of fits in with the mix and, and how or what people might want to keep, keep in mind or consider. Well, first, I think um, AI is going to be a, a great um, efficiency tool for you. And, and yes, it is true. You may be able to eliminate some uh, some of your marketing labor of the, the reoccurring tasks that marketers are doing. Um, but you still need a strategy guideline. You still need somebody to even if you're you're plugging into chat GPT, you need to know what, um, if you understand cause and effect of marketing, you understand consumer psychology and you understand uh, what needs to be asked of the, the chat GPT or the AI to create, then um, you're going to, it's all about prompting now. So, you know, you have to, you have to be, you have to know how to prompt it and you have to know what you're looking for as a final result. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, the way I look at at a marketer in general, and this is this is a, a comparison of of the fractional CMO versus the in-house CMO. In-house CMO, you've got deep, deep experience in that uh, specific industry that you're working in, right there. I, I mean, like let's say if it's marketing and financial services, or it's marketing and real estate, or marketing and uh, a, a tech uh, system, you're going to know that the specific um, the specifics of the regulations and different things there. The difference is on the fractional side, because you're working with so many different uh, uh, clients, you're going to have, you're, you're as good as all the experiences and all the, the different uh, uh, things you've seen and strategies you've seen employed uh, or deployed uh, to, to be able to put the right, answer for your client at the right time. So just like AI is good because it understands everything that's across the internet and able to take this specific information that's related to your question and give you an answer um, because it's it's able to, in a way, have experienced the internet. Um, you know, if you're a, a marketer, you're going to have experiences that maybe that business owner doesn't have in the the specific marketing focus of it, but the wider your experience is, the more you can pump out your own, the owner of the company can ask you a question and you as a human being can pump out almost like an AI form, a, a answer that is uh, specific to their need at that point in time. So um, I would say that, yes, I mean, I, I, I think that AI is great. And I think uh, there, there are platforms I may have mentioned on the last show, but I've been consulting a company that is called Bolsteroo and they are a uh, content management service um, where, so you pre-schedule out your social media content, but it's also AI creating the content. So that AI creating the content and the AI scheduling the content, the scheduling is nothing too new, but the, the creating the content and the scheduling the content this takes away human labor and that's great for you as a business, but you still need to know what direction should that uh, content be? What direct, what is going to have the most effectiveness? What's the approach there? And, and I think that's where a marketer um, 
overlays with the AI to provide you an even better service at a cheaper cost if you're using less labor um, now than ever before. No, and I, I think that makes sense, you know, and, and one of the interesting things I've talked with a few other people, just because I think for me, it's, you know, per, just an area of interest and kind of is interesting because AI has been talked a lot about and had a lot of applications in a lot of movies, but it's it's one of the more first real world applications that you're seeing it to catch traction you know, the, or one of the other questions I'd had come up with, you know, some of the clients and, and they even when talk about with people in the industry is using AI, as you mentioned, almost for content generation, that can be whether it's creating blog posts, whether it's doing, you know, more automated fashion of posting on social media and everything else. And the question has come up and love to get your, your thoughts on it. To, if you, if you could is, you know, when you're creating that content, is it, is it, Close enough, you know, there's always a question, is it perfect versus close enough? Perfect means it's, you know, ideal. Close enough is it's good enough to use that you can just kind of turn AI loose, whether it's for content creation, doing blogs, doing it, posting for social media, or is there still need to be an oversight to where, hey, I can go on, have it create, whether it's a post content, um, you know, a blog article, and it gets me 85% of the way there but you still need someone experienced to come in, tweak it, update it, or, or make it better. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I think it will get there. I don't think it's there yet. So I remember like years ago when I would, we, we would do lots of blog posts or social media posts for a company I was working for. I had staff who were creating a lot of that content, but a lot of times it would then, and this was maybe not even the best process because it's not super scalable where I have to have my eyes on everything, but all that content then was made and sent to me. And then I just had to kind of take a, a, a quick overview and, and check Mark. Okay. Yep. Post. Yep. You know, it's good publish. And so um, I think that's, that's where we're at with the, with the AI is, is you still need to, I wouldn't let it loose completely uh, be until, until you know that, if you do let it loose that like 95% plus of the time, it's going to be spot on with what you're with what you're looking for. Cause you don't want it to go out and do something that, that you wouldn't want to represent your business with. So it, it, it it's not that even so much like tweaking it so much, it's just double checking that it is pumping out the right stuff. Once you feel confident it is, then maybe you can let it loose, but I wouldn't let it loose out of the gate. And then the other thing, though, is, um, you know, there's this whole concept of originality with AI. So um, if, if through time right now, there's a lot of originality because we haven't seen all of the Internet continue to re be reposted in multiple different ways. But at some point, the question is, like, how much originality will there be if it's always just repurposing the same stuff? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, you know, with with prompting, um, you are what you're putting into the AI uh, sometimes it's like, it can be 50% or it could be 90% is actually what you are putting, what, what you are giving it is the, the uniqueness is the creativity is the, uh, uh, the thing that's not on the internet. It's just rewording it in a better way to present it in different things. And so, um, and that, but it's still pulling some elements from the else from across the internet. So that, that uniqueness comes from, uh, who's prompting it. I, I think. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see where, where it goes on, on your topic of let it, let it loose and just be, or, or still monitor it. And I think right now it's a step forward, but it still needs monitored of sorts. 
Yeah, and that's that's kind of what it seems like, and a lot of the the consensus is now, you know, and it's it's kind of always a, a biased answer, right? Because if it truly got or it truly was replacing, then all the marketers, content creations, and everything else, they would either have to adjust, and it you know has an impact on whether or not the industry will survive or how big the industry will be, and so it's always hard to sift through. Hey, what is the actual you know answers to how close right. it is versus what is a biased answer is kind of like when you go to an attorney and ask hey do i need legal services attorneys always going to say absolutely even if you don't really need them just because they want air incentivized because they want the work and so always interesting to get that perspective but i think that that's an accurate answer which is it's improving it's getting better it, it's a great tool but just like everything else it's a tool not a replacement so i think that uh, definitely makes sense well, and if you don't mind me saying one more thing on that is I think you're exactly right with the conflict of interest there. Um, the only problem, I mean, the thing is, I think this is an honest answer at this point, but let's say it gets to the point where where it is, uh, it can run fully on its own. That's great. That is still just one tool, one channel, and maybe this is a biased answer too as a marketer, but I'm still saying that that is not all your marketing right there. That would be one. That would be one tool, and I would say that eliminates some lower level marketing support. But it does not uh, eliminate knowing how to put which tools in place at different times, and that's just still one tool of many tools in the toolkit. So, no, and I definitely agree because you know the interesting is you know kind of like it's uh, has the potential to disrupt maybe some of the marketing industry. It's the same thing on the legal or legal side. A lot of people, you know, you've had attorneys for a long period of time. For better and for worse, you know, once, you know, depends on the industry and depends on what area of law, but they'll, they'll get their set templates of documents. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you come in, you're paying for the document that they've already created and they, they can spend a fractional amount of time and charge it for the full amount. And so now that people are saying, well, can you have AI do that same type of thing where it really does a lot of document review updates and supplants attorneys. And I think that, you know, the, most of the attorneys are kind of the same opinion. It's a great tool and it has a lot of potential. It's probably not quite there to replace it yet, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes. So well, now shifting uh, gears just a little bit more as we're kind of getting towards the end and, you know, lots of things we could talk about and we'll have to have you back on another time. Uh, but one of the yeah, other things that, uh, you know, that I think when people are looking at marketing officers that they're trying to figure out is, you know, how do I deal with, because if I were to go out and, you know, look at marketing officers, you can get anybody from a someone that's fresh out of school to someone's season to someone that has a huge package and, Hey, you need all these services to, Hey, you really only need a couple services. And it's, if you're experienced, you know what you're doing, or you've done it for a while, you, you know, you can sift through that and figure out what you need. But a lot of times when you're just getting started, you really don't need know the level of marketing or how much you should start out with and where your business is at. So any thoughts on how you approach what kind of costs you should anticipate, what kind of services you should look at and where, you know, what you should be thinking about specifically if you're more of a startup or a small business that isn't as experienced. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I focus on how do you be profitable from day one and it's not necessarily like this with, with marketing for the way I approach it, it's going to be some get rich quick, uh, or anything. It's going to be a slow and steady compounding effort. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, what's the, okay, your price, when, when you make a uh, successful transaction in whatever business you're in, 
the amount of revenue you bring in. Okay, that that the sales price basically. So what what do you that price minus how much does it cost for you to provide your product or service? Both the the product and it could be the fixed cost and the the variable cost both. But just like what is the cost there? And then the sales price minus that total both the total amount of cost is going to be your profit area. So for me, it would be how much can you how can you generate a client a, a successful transaction um, for less than that profit uh, gap there, and it doesn't even have to be a lot. It could be one dollar to start. So your customer acquisition cost or your CAC right there is is okay. So now I know when you're talking about how many tools, how many tools, how many different things do you need to get going? I try to figure out what what needs them de, uh, deployed to be able to to um, achieve a, a customer being acquired but also what mix can be deployed to remain within that budget that we're talking there that that gap of uh, and so um and, and if you can't if you can't acquire a customer for uh less than that then maybe that the model's wrong. Maybe you need to work on your 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 inputs to get the, the to get your cost down, or maybe you need to work on the the price needs to go up as long as it's not going to defer a customer. So so that's where if you need to understand, can you do it there? And if you can, then it's just deploying the right amount of uh, resources to achieve that. And and that's what I try to try to focus on. So yeah, you don't have to throw anything and everything at it immediately it's just how do you how do you achieve profitability and, and keep growing and then you take that profitability and you keep reinvesting it and reinvesting it and that's where you start compounding and, and through time you may have multiple channels and you're building multiple synergy and you're adding more tools but initially i would do it uh from this like scrap scrappy approach so no and i like that and i, I think that that's the, the the thing to keep in mind is you know because sometimes you'll get excited Hey, we just need to go blast the marketplace and we need to blitz it or we need to be everywhere to everybody. And you can go and spend a lot on marketing, sales, ads, SEO, website, you can or trade shows, you know, all of these things. And yet to your point is you have to look and say, one, what is your budget able to afford? What are your costs of goods sold versus what's your profitability? And then what kind of plan fits into that? And to your point, if you can continue to reinvest and grow and you can expand into those other areas, that's awesome, but you shouldn't, you know, don't go in and try and be everything to everybody or, or have such a huge marketing that it kills a company before it can get its legs under it. So I think that's a, definitely a great takeaway. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, now as we start to wrap towards the end of the episode and enjoyed the discussion, but I uh, always like to wrap up each episode with uh, one question. So we'll jump to that now, which is within your industry, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? Yeah, so the answer to that just um, plays off of what we were just talking about, and that, and that is the reliance on ROAS, the return of ad spend, rather than understanding profitability. So, so many marketers are saying, oh, I can spend $2,000 to generate a $10,000 sale, and so that's a, a five-to-one ROAS there. So, uh, you know, you got, uh, so, but with that being said is, what people need to understand the myth is that uh, that that ROAS matters. The the myth is though that, I mean, 
every every company needs um or i mean the truth is that every company needs a different roas so it's based on all those costs and everything else so it doesn't matter if you can do 5 to 1 if you can do 20 to 1 it's what are the costs there and so marketers need to go a step beyond that kpi of roas and understand profitability because uh, in many cases, marketers are just relying on being told that KPI of, hey, hit a certain ROAS, and then, uh, but but they're relying on someone else in the company to tell them what that, that ROAS should be. And I think that uh, uh, a marketer should understand the bigger picture beyond that, because the strategy could be wrong for the whole company if you're, if, if you're just saying hit a certain KPI and it's not even going to achieve profitability of sorts. So- yeah. No, I think, and that's a, I think a great myth to dispel because, you know, you'll see, and I see it on Facebook, I see it on LinkedIn and others that people say, Hey, my clients spend $1,500 and they got $10,000 worth of sales, right? Just as you said. And I always tend to wonder, well, do they have that much in their profitability? In other words, if my, if my products cost a good sold, your cogs are that and everything that's built in with time and money and effort is $9,000 and you only have a, a 10% profit margin, you just lost money. Now, and now yeah. if you have a 50% profit margin, that's a great return on investment. But just because you can spend so much to get it, depending on if you can or support that, some industries, you know, 10% profit margin is standard. Now, some of them it's 50 or 100% profit margin, but you have to look at does the return make sense? Not just are you getting, you know, are you getting a lot of people or customers and still losing money? And so I, I, I love to, to, to dispel that myth. So thank you. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And you you completely understand it with uh, the way you, you recap there. So yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So well, now as we are wrapping up this episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Well, I would connect with me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, uh, not O-N, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, and then Cobb, C-O-B-B, or you can reach out to me at Brandon at marketingexec.us be happy to answer any questions you have, give you a consultation, anything like that. So. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, make a new connection, support a great company and uh, get some, uh, or hopefully get some uh, great uh, fractional CMO services um, to help grow their business. So thank you again, Brandon, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you listeners that are out there, you can help us to share this expertise with even more startups and small businesses by clicking, clicking share, subscribing, leaving us a review helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your startup, or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Brandon, for uh, coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you.